Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of Right Brain. Oh, that not work. Hey, gang, welcome to... No, no. All right, everyone, this is JF, your host for Right Brain. This is episode 25, or 25 take two, if you will. I have a bit of a story to tell you about this. It's a, it's an interesting little take. I'm just, just a forewarning, the reason why you're not... Well, wait, listen, listen you're... You don't hear Paul. That's because Paul's not here. Paul's absent. Paul's on vacation. Now, let me back up a bit. The reason why you're getting this podcast a bit late is because the podcast is cursed. It's There's a hex that's been placed on it. A, uh, a computer hex? Uh, a, a dumbass hex? I don't know. Here's the situation. Paul and I, dutifully, because we are, we've never missed a recording in the past. We've always been very regular about when we do this job. We, uh, we, we did an episode 25 and it went super well. It was probably our best episode. We recorded it. It was fantastic. Seriously, guys, we had so much fun recording it and we talked about a lot of cool things. We had so much profound insight. I mean, anybody that would, re- Listen to episode 25, the one that we originally recorded, would come out of there with a, a perfectly formed idea of how to run a campaign on ink shares and make it successful and then get like three movie deals. It was just amazing. And uh, Paul lost two-thirds of that because of an... It's not, not his falling. I'm, I'm not saying Paul lost it. Paul lost it. I'm, but um, there was a... Um, a computer error in the system that we use to record right brain called Zencaster. I don't know. We did something. Paul blames himself. I, I don't think he's wrong. He probably did something terrible and, and Zencaster just God's revenge. But where I think the podcast might be cursed, and this is where I'm the idiot, is that I'm, you, you may not have know this, but I've been really busy. So I kept putting off putting the podcast up. Um, putting the podcast up does not take much time. It doesn't take much effort. Um, a clown could do it. A child could do it. I've, I've met cats that could probably handle it. It's, it's a very easy procedure. Any moron could take care of it in five minutes. But it takes me about 15. And for some reason, I never really invested those 15 minutes to put the p- podcast up. By the time I did find the few minutes to do my job and actually put the podcast online, uh, the link that Paul gave me to download the podcast was expired. Now, again, I could have downloaded it the moment he gave me the link and then I would have had it on my computer and been able to upload it whenever I, I, I wanted to the feed and there wouldn't be a problem. But again, I didn't do that. So... I don't have the podcast, and Paul's on vacation for a ton amount of time that I can't remember. I I don't really pay attention to everything Paul says. So he told me when he'd be back, and I wasn't listening. I was probably looking up some, you know, the address of the nearest candy shop, or maybe like the caloric intent intake of certain types of nuts. I don't know. I don't know what I Google sometimes. But the important thing is, I don't know when Paul's going to be back, and. I feel that we owe you an episode. And I feel that I owe you an episode because the 
latest part of the the, 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 the the mess up is completely my fault. Now, granted, if I had downloaded the file that Paul had supplied me, that file would have been maybe uh, 15 minutes or something because the episode wasn't complete. I think he added a few minutes of his own apologies, which, I mean, compared to mine, let's admit, would have been mostly groveling for forgiveness. While I regale you with the uh, the concept of my search history about snack foods. Now, the reason why I say this podcast is probably cursed is because all of these things happened, and I did consult with at least two witches and one um, voodoo medicine man, and all of them said, get out of my house, I don't know what you're talking about, and maybe they were not the magic people I thought they were, but I got the impression, or rather I decided that that confirmed my opinion that the podcast was cursed and needed to be started from scratch. So here's what's going to happen. Um, if you don't like me or my voice or my tangents about snacks, uh, well, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next episode because this is going to be a solo mic thing and it's going to be terrible. Now, just to give you some context, I'm not going about this blind. I'm not an amateur. So what I have done is I've, I've written some very loose subjects that we've talked about in the previous episode that I want to get back on and sort of share my recollection, flawed though it may be, about what Paul and I discussed, and also like which which books we talked about, and go about that, and it's it's it's, it's going to be fun because it's going to sound like I'm going through a fever dream, and you get to watch helpless as I slowly descend into madness. I, again, though, I am a professional, so I have prepared. I have, um, so, so since I will be having this conversation essentially with myself, like a crazy person, I have, um, in front of me set up a, a stuffed murloc from the game's World of War, game World of Warcraft, and he has some welding goggles on that have been painted in a steampunk pattern. And I'll be talking to the murloc for the duration of this podcast. So that, that way I feel like I'm actually having this conversation with someone. Also, I will probably do very minimal editing to uh, clean up the audio. Mostly because I want to get this out as fast as possible. And I am dreadfully slow. I'm glacial when it comes to audio editing because I am not good at it and I don't understand how it works. So, enjoy this episode of Ride Brain. Usually we start the podcast with Paul or me. At, we, we ask each other how you're doing. So um, I don't care how my Murloc is doing, but he is asking me uh, how I've been. And I've been okay. I've been, I've been doing actually pretty good. Uh, just less than 24 hours as of this recording, I have turned in and emailed to uh, Avalon, uh, one of the, uh, the, I think he's a marketing director or marketing coordinator. Anyways, she's... One of the, the cool, important people uh, that takes care. She's, she's essentially the writer's babysitter at Inkshare, where she takes care of us and uh, and shepherds us towards success, making sure that we turn in our stuff correctly and coordinating with the production team at Go Friday. Uh, I, I managed to email her my manuscript for A God in the Shed, the final manuscript, until it gets edited by the awesome Cleet Smith, which was the editor to The Life Engineered, and is a goddamn genius. He does a really good job. And I like working with him. And he's only going to get the manuscript in 15 days because I turned in my manuscript early, which is great. Which is also why I've been super busy recently because 
I had to go through the entire thing and do a bunch of little rewrites here and there because I, I got some notes from a third party saying uh, you should change this and you change, should change that. And we reworked the entire first seven chapters. And But you, if you rework the first seven chapters of a book, chances are that's going to have an impact on the other chapters. And since it's not an eight-chapter book but a 22-chapter book, that meant I had to do a lot of work to make sure that everything was still coherent. Turns out it wasn't, so I rewrote but I finished 15 days early, and there's a reason for that. It's because, well, first, I, I missed my first deadline, which was June 1st. Um, I'm sorry. But the, the main reason is that I really wanted to get back to work on Arc Engineer, uh, Arc, Arc Android. This is going to be this kind of podcast. I'm sorry, dear listeners. I'm going to stumble on all my words. And since I don't have Paul as a stabilizing element to just keep me calm. It, it, it's going to be a terrible show. All right, brace yourselves. So I just really want to get back to work on Arc Android. And once I had reviewed the entire manuscript, I was at a point like, of course, I could have reread it and corrected things and then reread it again and corrected things. I could do that until I'm just a pile of bones crumbled into dust in front of a manuscript, just rereading it from beyond the grave. But that would not work because at some point you realize that you're just moving pieces around the board but not necessarily playing the game anymore and once i had done a first rereading some rewriting added some pieces deleted some other pieces reread another time i was that's that's exactly what i was doing i was just pushing things on the table but not getting anywhere it wasn't productive so i said fine i am done i need to work on other things send the manuscript had myself on the back, had some cognac because that's how I celebrate things and moved on to other things. In between these two projects, because today I spend the entire time working on Arc Android and I'll talk about, about that later probably once I'm done talking about other prop things. But once I was kind of like in this, this sort of nebulous in between the two projects, I remembered, oh yeah, I have this podcast I should be doing. So... Thanks for your concern, Murloc, but that's that's pretty much what's been going on. That and the 40-hour the uh, work. I would have probably done this podcast earlier, but this weekend, I was super fortunate. Uh, actually, a lot of us in, in Montreal were super fu- fortunate to to have the uh, the very cool uh, Jodan Ford and uh, Peter Ryan, which are other uh, writers, uh, part of the uh, InkShares ecosystem, visit us in Montreal. So yesterday, we went out for sandwiches which sounds a lot more childish now that I say it out loud. I mean, adults would go for drink, but no, we had delicious sandwiches at a uh, on a terrace and we talked about ourselves to get to know each other better and then uh, mostly about writing and, and other terrifying hobbies that we have. So that killed my day for yesterday and uh, th- that's why I'm, I'm only recording today because I had planned this. I, I spent all weekend saying, oh, I'm going to record a thing. I'm going to record a thing. And here we are. So that was fun. Um, that was great. We had a good time. And now I'm recording the show and I want to talk about the, uh, the Nerdist contest for video games. This is a, a big thing because, as, as I said, I'm recording this and it's July 2. So there's exactly 14 days left before this is done. It's, uh, the, the contest ends on July 15, which coincidentally was my original deadline for uh, handing in my manuscript. I'm so ahead of schedule for that manuscript, and I'm just thrilled with myself. Anyways, 
So, but I want to talk about this because Paul and I had jumped into this project. We wanted to talk about every one of the books that uh, are not necessarily are the anthology we participate in, which is uh, Too Many Controllers by the Inkvengers uh, conglomerate collective. I know we, there's probably a super cool theme for that, and I don't know what it is because I'm not paying attention. But we wanted to go over all the uh, the other books in the contest because we feel that they, they deserve some exposure. And Paul and I had talked about two very cool looking books that are currently in the contest that are doing very well. And I want to, I, I don't want that, that discussion to be lost. And I'm pretty sure it was lost. It was part of the, uh, the, the cock up that, uh, that, that happened with our, our recording. So let me jump in. I'm going to talk about them very quickly because I want to also do an, another two. We're really, I mean, we're running out of time to be able to cover all 10 of these books. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do like a bunch. I'm going to do them kind of a rapid fire style. So one of the books that we talked about was Squid's In. Squid's In is is a super weird book. Um, actually, I've been communicating a bit with a uh, Michael Pote, which is supposed to sound like goat, about what he's doing. Um, I didn't reach out to him. He reached out to me because I'm self centered and I don't pay attention to what goes on. But he's been super chill with me and and, and got to talk about what he's doing. Um, and Squid's In is just one of the strangest books i was gonna swear but it's, it's just a weird one so let's get right in so the the his his sort of tag at the at the top of his page says when the world's best online gamer turns out to be an octopus it's not long before he goes missing now i hesitate to ask this matt but you know that squids and octopuses octopi octopuses are two different kind of cephalopods right so I'm hoping that there's a reason for this, but anyways, the point is, it's already a pretty freaking out there um, settings set up for the game. Um, so about Squid's In is one. Right, he, Matt makes a bit of a mistake talking about like his reasons for the book before giving us more information about the book in t- itself. So I'm just gonna skip like his biography or talking about his kids I'm, I'm sure it's fascinating i don't have children so i have no empathy towards people who do where i should this is where paul would probably say no let's talk about children and i would roll my eyes but we're not going to do that i'm going i'm going to talk about books what is it mr murloc no shut up i'm not talking about the kid so Squidson tells a story of a burnout called toby who befriends an octopus that animal activists stole from a lab and dumped in his pool after noticing that the octopus is real is really good at playing video games, Toby unleashes the octopus onto the competitive online gaming scene, amassing both wealth and fame. Which you can tell this is fantasy. There's no way you can accumulate fame and wealth playing a video game. Oh wait, you can? Oh wow. Alright, so um, no one knew that the mad gaming skills belonged to an octopus. All they saw was Toby's face and all they heard was Toby's voice. It wasn't until some enterprising hackers compromised Toby's computer and the octopus is stolen that the wheels start to fall off the mass deception. So what happens next? Pre-order to find out. And I have pre-ordered because as much as almost every time we talk about a humor book, I say I don't like humor literature. I 
apparently I'm lying. I'm lying both to you and to myself because I seem to enjoy humor literature. I guess I got burned by one particular book at some point. I decided this was a genre that wasn't for me, but I'm really going back on that. So uh, Squidson's got a... It's doing well. I mean, it's it's got enough. Uh, it's, it's got enough pre-orders. It's, I think it's in fourth place as of this recording. There's a few things that would change on Matt's page. Like first of all, like we 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 keep mentioning Paul and I. It's very important to talk about yourself because you are part of the product. But it is more important to talk about your book. So I would definitely put the book description be- before the uh, before putting in any in any of the biography. Bio- I write for a living. I should be able to do that. I record three podcasts. I have a lot of practice talking from a microphone. Biographical information. Thank you, Mr. Murloc. God, you're there for me, buddy. I think I'm going to replace Paul with you forever. So, anyways, um, he should put he should put the, the book information before the the bio bio stuff. And also, while the uh, book trailer is a, a very funny video and fascinating about an octopus escaping it doesn't say anything about the book either it's just a cool thing so i would probably change that finally and this is me as a graphic designer although the illustrations and oh boy matt's been like giving out a lot of illustrations that he's having some other guy whose name i will find as i'm talking but essentially the uh the the illustration on the cover right now is really cool originally uh Matt had a, a, a completely different cover, and that cover I, I thought was better. Like it translated better uh, in in thumbnail format and just looked cooler to me. So um, Matt, consider that. I mean, you, I mean, it's, it's your book. You do what you want, but that's that's my opinion as a uh, as a graphic designer. So I lied. I can't find the other guy's name. Anyways, I remember we had trouble pronouncing it, so it's probably for the best. I'll try to put it in the post, but it's 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 neat. Like if you if you follow Paul, uh, Paul, if you follow Matt on uh, on Ink Shares, you've been getting his updates, and he's been just this thing's turning out to be more of a graphic novel than anything. Now, the second book that we reviewed is a peculiarity, and this is funny because one of the first comments that I had about this book was that the cover was not excellent. It didn't really, it didn't speak well from uh, like in thumbnail format. It was hard to read and it looked extremely generic. Um, I wouldn't say that the the new model is groundbreaking, but it's much more in line with what you expect from a book that's that's currently crowdfunding. Like it, it's not professional, but it's good enough. It's very, it's more legible and it, it seems to, communicate the theme of the book a lot better. And that book is Mothering, colon, The Game. Um, it's, what makes it different is that this isn't, this isn't a fiction story. It's not, it's not a, it's not like everything else that we've seen so far. This is more, this is more biographical. This is more, uh, informational. And that's what makes it interesting and, and one of the reasons why I won't, I kind of really want to see this going, going forward. Um, so what happens when a longtime gamer be- becomes a first time mom? Motherhood becomes the most engaging game she's played. One of the things that's super interesting to me in recent technological and sociological developments, and it's actually the, the backbone to the short story I'm writing for Too Many Controllers, is the idea of gamification of everyday things. Um, there's There's been a, a lot of little apps here and there that have been helping us 
turn everyday occupations and preoccupations into games from run zombies which is a uh, an app that helps you jog because you play a game where you're running from zombies to um to anything that has to do with the the photography platform um there, there's just so many ways that everyday things can become games and the idea that parenthood can be a challenging game or interpreted that way or seen through that lens is very interesting to me. Now, I don't care about kids, but I care about gamification. And as much as I don't care about kids, I'm super interested in education and how that works. So I'm very interested in that book. I want to see, I want to see how it happens. And the, uh, the, the, the author, um, whose name I can't find because I'm stupid. Yeah, Re Regina. Oh, yeah, I remember we had so such a hard time pronouncing. I'm sorry, Regina, your last name. I don't know why. It's like a tongue twister. It's like selling cells by the seashore or some stuff. Anyways, your uh, the, the author's name is Regina McMinomy, PhD. So we're talking about someone that's way too respectful, respectable to be listening to uh, to this drivel. So, uh, Regina, if you're listening, I'm sure there's got to be a, an important textbook that you should be reading instead. Just... Just stop. You're embarrassing us and yourself. No, I seriously, no, st stick around. You're giving us some, uh, some much needed credibility. Um, Regina is also a podcaster. She does a podcast called The Geek Embassy. So this is someone that's used to communicating and someone that has the education and, and the know-how and the experience to write a, a like, um, actually an interesting informational book about the subject. And her campaign page is actually fairly well built. It's got a, uh, it's, it's got a, um, uh, book trailer. It's got the back book, back co book copy cover information. Uh, basically what it says is join Regina McMinnamy PhD as she reflects upon her experience leveling up as a first time mom, a long life gamer. Regina explores what it means to be a parent through quests, achievements, and skill trees, adeptly drawing parallels between being a mom and being a gamer. This memoir tackles the good, giggles, the bad, thieving, and the ugly blowout diapers. Paul explained to me what blowout diapers were. All through the lens of a gamer, sometimes humorous, always touching, this memoir is a must-have for new and experiment, experienced mothers, gamers, or any combination thereof, or probably even just people that are curious about this kind of thing. Um, so, I don't think this book is for me. And yet I'm still curious about it. And I know a lot of people that are gaming mothers or even gaming fathers or just people. And, and make no mistake, if you're a parent, even if you're not a gamer, your kids are going to be because games are just becoming ubiquitous because of this whole gamification of everyday activity. This is not something that's going to go, go away. It's not a fad. It's just, it's a fact. So there's probably a lot to be gained from checking out this book. And like I said, it's, it stands out to me because it is a, it, it's not like the other books that we have currently in the contest. I'd like to see it do well and perform. So uh, check it out. It's a mothering colon the game. All right. Now we're enter entering into a, to more unknown, uh, unknown territory for me. Um, we're going to be talking, I'm going to, well, yeah, me and Murloc here are going to be talking about books that I haven't had much time to check out. Again, busy. Sorry. So one uh, one of the books that looks really cool, and I don't remember seeing it early on in the contest, is called Ascend Online. 
join a group of friends as they enter a revolutionary virtual reality MMORPG, which is multi, multi, massively multi, uh, multiplayer online role-playing game. Yeah, I got cred. And find themselves thrown into a mysterious fantasy world where they'll need to use every bit of strength, cunning, and even ruthlessness they have to survive. Uh, the book is written by... Seriously? All right, Luke Schmielenko. I'm terrible at names. Uh, anyways, so about Ascend Online... Enter Marcus, a 29-year-old independent game designer and slightly jaded MMORPG addict looking for his next gaming fix. When a friend tells him of a revolutionary VR MMORPG that's set to be released in less than 24 hours, he can barely believe his eyes. With barely a second's hesitation, Marcus and his friends leap at the chance to escape reality and live an entirely new life in Ascend Online. Together, as the world watches them, they experience a new reality that defies their wildest hopes and imagination. From battling vicious monsters to defending the weak, Marcus and his friends will have to use every ounce of their cunning and teamwork they possess to stake a claim in a brand new world that promises to push them to the very edge of, of their humanity. Especially once the player, other players realize that the other players rea- see what they have and try to take it from them. So basically, uh, a lot of uh, PvP action for those who know the lingo. Uh, more importantly, if uh, if you're a fan of, I think it's Otherworld by Tad Williams, uh, an excellent book, the first book of a, a four-book series. The last three books are a bit of a slog to go through, especially the third one feels feels like trek through the desert there's just it feels like there's nothing happening but the first book is fascinating because it's an extremely early take on the idea of the, this whole vr mmorpg kind of experience and how how people will react to it uh, mind you tad williams has like his book is just an immense bricked read through just even just the first one and has its own spin and you, you won't get the full experience unless you read the entire series like you won't you won't have all the uh, the entire story told but it's very reminiscent of that and i i like the idea of delving back into that kind of stuff so luke whatever your last name is he's got a, a fairly like, his cover design is very is excellent looks very cool it looks like the uh like the cover to a game uh of the, the the skyrim genre if you if you know that kind of thing but it's very well designed um the title and author name may be a bit small for the thumbnail but otherwise it still it still reads fine it's okay um right now he's got print 28 pre-ordered um eighth place in the contest but one of the things and this is something i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about once i'm done, done talking about these books is and actually this is going to be the last book I do because I there's only two more in the uh, in the contest that we haven't covered and we're going to cover him uh, I'm going to cover him with Paul once he's back from wherever Paul is but the uh, the point is that the, the, the there's only two weeks in the contest but the last two weeks of any crowdfunding effort or the last two weeks of the contest as we've seen on InkShares can get crazy and Ascend Online isn't a book that I. F- I've seen in the top 10. I haven't checked like daily, so I'm sure it's been there for for a while, but it wasn't there originally, so it's clearly got the uh, it's clearly got the 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 backing and the the, the power to, to to ascend, see? I I did a joke. 
but it's it's clearly got what it's take to 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 climb up the ranks. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it get some uh, some traction there. And the, the the rest of the campaign page seems very well built. I mean, there's you've you've got your book trailer at top top. You've got the entire structure as we usually talk about it, like the 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 proper. And again, like we say proper, we're not experts. It's just that what we found seems to work, and what in my marketing experience seems to be the most logical. But Luke, Luke's got that going on, so I'm I'm optimistic to see him be a, a strong contender. Now, that's the thing. Like I said, we're coming up on the last two weeks of the, the Inkshares Nerdist Contest for video game books. That's going to be kind of exciting. One of the things that's been interesting looking at the development of Too Many Controllers as a book and as a campaign and as a con- mostly as a contestant in this particular event is how we, I'll, I'll say we because I'm part of that collective. I haven't been as active. Like I'm, I'm really sorry for all my, my fellowing Vengers if it seems like I haven't been super into promoting the book. I've been promoting it here and there. I'm, I'm on a few podcasts and I've been trying to push the book there. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's not something that I've been pushing on an individual basis. And I haven't been able, like whenever I'm on a podcast and I say, Hey, check out this project. There's no way for me to track how well that's gone. Like if I were to do that on a book that I controlled and I can see when there's spikes in orders and I can say, Oh, that's, that's from when I was on that podcast, but I can't, I can't do that with this particular project. So I apologize for not being as present as I should. I'm just an insanely busy individual these days. But one of the things that's been interesting is being on the inside of this is seeing how the, the book is perceived by people, like people like, uh, uh, Matt Pote from, uh, from Squizin, uh, has been sort of vocal about what his thoughts on the, the contest itself and on the position that the Too Many Control anthology has had. Uh, other people have voiced their, their opinion. I am, super pleased that the opinions in general have not been too negative because I've been, I've been very clear about this and very honest. And I know it's, it's not a universal opinion. This is completely, this is JF's opinion and Mr. Mur- Murloc. Mr. Murloc um, agrees with me on this. So this two of us is that while we do have permission from InkShares to do the, to, to do this ontology and everybody's like, no, it's fine. You can do this. There's no question that what we're doing is disruptive to the expectations of this kind of contest. We've done this kind of contest before. Um, I think this is probably what the fifth contest of its kind on InkShares. So we know the drill. We know some of the dy- dynamics and we know that we're disturbing them. But at the same time, what's fun about the fact that we're getting into this last two weeks is that the two weeks of a crowdfunding campaign have traditionally always been the most active. This is even outside of a contest environment. If we look at my crowdfunding for A God in the Shed, the book that I just submitted the manuscript for, I got a ton of my pre-orders during that those last two weeks. Those last 14 days were crucial. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And this is something I'm telling some of my friends that are running shares and are starting a campaign. That you usually will get a fairly strong boost like a huge quantity of pre-orders at the beginning because this is where it's easier to convince your friends your family get some traction you're excited you have a lot of energy the project is new it's a lot easier to attract attention to it at the beginning so the first two or three weeks are the best I mean, it's very encouraging and then very quickly 
within a few days, you go from getting a bunch of orders a day to getting one order a day and then like one order every two days. And then you get depressed and you turn to alcohol and you just wake up in parking lots. It's, it's terrible. I mean, maybe this is just my experience, but I'm, I've been assured by other people and other hobos, which I've met in these parking lots that they too, uh, are crowdfunding things and are in the same situation. So if ever you see a homeless person, just think that there's a good chance this is someone is crowdfunding a project. Where was I? Oh yeah. So yeah, the first two weeks, very exciting. The middle portion of a campaign, no matter how long, it's going to have some spikes, but generally speaking, it's pretty dead. It's, this is, this is the period of time where the project isn't new, so it's hard to have the flashbang cool effect when talking to people. You can't say, hey, check out my new thing. It's not a new thing. You're not as excited about it. It's hard to get other people excited about it. The people that you knew would order early have ordered early. So you're in kind of limbo. The last two weeks, though, this they're, they're the rejuvenation. This is where all those jerks, like your cousin Larry, who said, yeah, yeah, I'll order, I'll order, and never did. Well, now he's got a deadline and there's no, there's no more time. You're rejuvenated because you see the end of your, you see the, the deadline to your campaign. So you get this, this kick in the rectum, like bang in the ass that just propels you forward so that you can get this, this, this thing done. So you've got this renewed energy. That renewed energy will, um, will translate very well when you're trying to communicate with people, when you're trying to sell them on the project. You're going, Hey, I've got this thing. So you've got this renewed energy and you've got the deadline. And the deadline is the important thing. Being able to say, Hey, Larry, when you sober up, could you order my book? There's only 10 days left. And then when there's five days left and Larry hasn't ordered yet, you can go, Larry, there's only five days left. You promised, man. And you can do that with increased frequency until the end. Now, granted, that's a lot of work, but that means that it's also easier to convince people because people that have been waiting, first of all, they've been waiting to see if you have a chance or if you have, don't, haven't had a chance. They're waiting to see how this thing goes on. And a lot of people, you got to remember, a lot of people are super busy. I am a super busy guy. I need to be reminded to do people. Like, I really want to help people. I really do. And a lot of people go, hey, JF, can you help me with this? And I go, absolutely. And one thing I've learned the past few years is that when someone asks me for help, I will tell them, like, if it's not something I can do immediately, if it's something I can do immediately, I will do it immediately just so I don't forget about it. But if it's something that I cannot do immediately, I will say, okay, I want to help you. So here's what you're going to do. If by, I don't know, Monday, I haven't come back to you, carte blanche, bother me about it. But that's the thing. Everybody has is on the spectrum of that level of forgetfulness. Like obviously you have people that will be, always be on the ball. But most people won't. Most people have their own things going on. I mean, your book is super important. And I see a lot of memes on the internet. It's like, oh, people don't realize how important a single order can be for an artist. I am an artist. I get it. I agree with that statement. But at the same time, I'm also someone who likes to see things from the point of view of the other dude. And as much as your book is super important to you and that one order is super important, the person that is ordering your book 
while they're thinking of ordering your book, they're also thinking of um, that his kids' grades are slipping. Um, that his, one of his coworkers has been bringing fish for lunch for the past week, and he's looking for a way to tell him not to do that because microwave fish smells terrible. Uh, like there's this noise in his car that he can't identify. Not sure if he should bring it to the garage or not. Like everybody has a million things to do. So until you have that deadline, it's understandable that people will put off buying your book. But once you have that deadline, once you have that deadline, you can go, well, your car can wait and your kids' grades are not going to change in two weeks, so how about you order my book? And that's why you see these, these huge changes. And when we're talking about we're talking about a contest like the Inkshares contest, these fluctuations, the fact that anybody can start getting a ton of pre-orders can affect numbers tremendously. Now, this is going to be fun because I like watching stats and numbers. And I really want too many controllers to win. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, the dynamic of too many controllers is very different. It's 15 people putting in good effort. I mean, everybody's putting in good effort, but we're also all people that have our normal stuff going on. A lot of us are currently working on other campaigns or on books that need to be published. So we're double busy. So it's kind of a good thing that we're a, a, a collective of people promoting it. I don't know how that's going to translate for the last two weeks. Now, I've personally been like keeping a few things, like some trump cards, if you will, so that during those last two weeks, which I know are important, I'll be able to hopefully get more pre-orders for too many controllers. I don't know that that's what everybody did. I don't know that it's going to work that well. So as much as too many controllers has a huge lead, we know from previous contests that people getting... 50, 100, 200 pre-orders in the last two weeks at the end is not impossible. It's, it's far from impossible. And it's, it's something that's going to be interesting because even, even if too many controllers does get a very, very strong foothold and manages to keep its spot fine, there's still two spots to this contest. There's still the second and third place, which are guaranteed publication and guaranteed consideration for the, the, the Nerdist collection. I'm going to get back to that in a moment. But the thing is, those two spots are going to fluctuate a lot. And even if you like at, at books like Ascend Online, which are lower in rungs, it doesn't take much. If this is a book that gets some traction, gets some interest, if Luke Chimichanga manages, I'm sorry, dude, I don't mean to insult you. I just can't pronounce your name. So I'm going to make fun of it instead. That's how I deal with my name. So if Luke manages to, I don't know, he, he, he gets, goes to one of his social groups and manages to get 50 people to go, yeah, we'll encourage you. I mean, he's going to jump really high and he just needs to do that a couple of times. And he's, he suddenly is a contender. And same thing for almost everyone in this contest. You don't know when someone's going to find this, these last pre-orders. I mean, Jameson Stone went to a con during the, uh, the, the contest that he participated in and he was just walking out with pre-orders left, right, and center. It went super well for him. Everybody's got their own methods of marketing and, and promoting their book. And sometimes it takes a while to get the traction for it. But when you do, you can end up with just tons of pre-orders. And that can go well for you. In a contest setting, that can mean the difference between being in third or fourth place. 
Now, here's the interesting thing also about this contest is that the assumption may be slightly based on the fact that this has happened in the past is that the number one, the, the, the person or book that's in first place is the book that's going to be selected for the collection. Now, that's the reflex. I mean, you look at you look at the standings, you go, book number one, that's, that's going to be chosen for the collection. And, and there's some people say that there's also like the idea of an anthology makes it more appealing to put in a collection because if you're looking at getting like if you're if you're a company like legendary or a company like nerdist and you're saying yeah i would love to have quote unquote control over an ip well an anthology is is basically a 15 for one 15 for the price of one deal it's it's a it's a great way of getting a lot of ideas under your umbrella while that may be true, an anthology might not be what they want to promote. There's there's other difficulties in the sense that if you want to have an author interview, well, then you need to either pick one or maybe three authors or pick one representative. It There's certain complications so far as promoting an anthology that is a lot more complicated and more annoying to do. So again, that puts it in that gray area where there's no guarantee that you know number one place or an anthology has a leg up. And in my experience, as someone who is super fortunate enough to have one of my books picked for a collection, my book was not in first place. My book was nowhere near first place, in fact. My book was, I think, next second to last. And still it got picked because it's got robots and robots are awesome. And uh, I'm glad Tom and Veronica from the Sword and Laser podcast recognized how awesome uh, robots were and how wise it is to have the robots on your side. What that means, though, the bottom line, as far as this contest is concerned, is that winning the contest, like the real victory, of course, getting the publication deal is very important, very cool. But the real winner is the people who are chosen for collection because collections are cool and there's certain benefits. There's certain drawbacks. Remember, the collection takes a percentage of your royalties away, um, ostensibly because you get more promotion, you get the cloud of the name from the collection. That's all super cool. But at the same time, that's the collection is is that that's the the the, the palmadar it's the gold medal that you get from from being in the contest and that can go to anyone in first second or third place so again aiming for first is important because if you're in first place there's less chances that you'll get knocked down to fourth place so always aim aim high but don't forget if you're anywhere in those first three places if your book is anywhere in place 1 2 or 3 you could end up being in that collection if you have the book that jives and just you know resonates with the judges who pick for the collection and that that's when things get interesting so those last two weeks are going to be exciting um there's something weird about this contest maybe because it's only a short story maybe it's because it's anthology maybe it's because we're already in such a good place i don't feel the stress i've been feeling from other uh from other contests I don't think I would mind as terribly if 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 too many controllers did not get made. I mean, I'd be sad a bit, but I would still write my short story and I'd use it for other, other promotional means or for another anthology. I it'd be sad because we'd miss something cool as far as a as a publication opportunity, but it's not the same as losing the opportunity for an entire book to be published. So this is more of a sporting sporting event to me at this point, and I I know this is not the opinion of everyone 
in the Avengers. A lot of people take that way more to heart than I do, and more power to them. I mean, these these guys are these guys and girls are are the driving force behind the success uh, of too many controllers. But as far as I'm concerned, maybe because I'm so tired working on my current projects, I'm just glad to be able to try to do my part, try to do as much as possible, but. As far as stress is concerned, just take a step back and, and observe from a distance and see it's cool. And if you can, if you have this Zen capability, even if you're like, if you're in a situation where you could be third or you could be fourth and you should be stressed, if you have that capacity for a Zen-like approach to these kind of contests, having been the stressed out dude, um, if you can be Zen, be Zen. <laughs> it's a lot easier. So yeah, that that covers that covers the the the, the contest. Um, by the time we record, there'll be only about a week left, and uh, in two episodes, we'll have we'll have the results. Well, everybody will have the results, but we'll be able to sort of a uh, have a post mortem and discuss what's uh what's the impact. Because one of the things about Avengers and too many controllers is that it's a disruptive element. But as I like to say, disruption is not necessarily a bad thing. This is it's a it's sort of a test that we're putting the system through. And we know for a fact that um, we know for a fact that these contests aren't perfect. That's why uh, Inkshares has been modifying them, adapting the rules as they go along. And now we've just thrown a new challenge at them, something different, something they haven't seen before. They said, "Sure, go ahead, do it. We'll see what happens, and maybe we'll see something. We'll see modifications to how contests are done in the future." I'm looking forward to that. I love the evolution that Inkshares has been doing. I love how they, they, they keep adapting to things. And one of the evolutions, let me do a segue that's almost clever. One of the evolutions that they've done recently is productions. Um, <laughs> productions. Listen to me, Mr. Murloc. I don't know what I'm doing. Properties. Now, a lot of you have probably seen that since a lot of you are writers for, uh, for Inkshares. You've been uh, you've been looking at things going on. You've been seeing the blog post by one Jeremy Thomas. You know what's up. And essentially what's been happening is that very recently, maybe a week or two ago, and Paul and I discussed it at length, and then we lost the recording. Uh, we talked about the the, 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 pro the properties section, the, what they call an app. Now, uh, one very quick clarification. When they call it an app, it's not a phone app. It's not a smartphone app. It's not an iPad app. It is a, it's a, it's a web app. It's essentially a web page with certain added functionalities where Inkshares has created a sort of marketplace, a, a shelf, a shopping environment uh, where people that are in the business of producing um, material using IPs, intellectual properties, can go and, you know, browse, do some window shopping, and uh, look around for things that interest them. Now, the interesting thing about that is that it's it's closed marketplace. It is not somewhere that you can just go and browse. Like, I cannot, I could apply for it, but I can't right now just log on and go check out what's there. So there's an air of mystery that I'm very glad for because otherwise I would be on there all the time hoping someone's shopping for my properties. I don't, to, to be honest, like I, there's no way of even knowing, there's no way of, of being sure that your properties are even on the marketplace because Inkshares is not putting everything there, at least as far as I know, because again, I haven't been able to do, to go there. I'm probably going to ask him some questions at some point because I'm curious. But the whole point is that this this is a step. This is a very important step in uh, in in how Inkshares is managing the company and managing how they deal 
with authors, but it's also a very philosophical, philosophically interesting direction that InkShares is taking. Basically, traditionally, if you will, what usually happens with properties like this is, let's say you're, a, you're I don't know, an indie weir and you, you make a book, you self-publish it. If it attracts enough attention, either an agent or a publisher, usually an agent, will jump all over you and they'll be the ones shopping you around. Um, the way this is different is that it basically bypasses the agent. It creates a situation where your publisher, which is InkShares, is the one building relationships with uh, different uh, different production companies, producers, directors, um, other publishers that do ebooks, uh, that do sorry audiobooks, or that do international rights. Basically, like this isn't just movie and television. This is audiobooks. It's it's the whole thing. Whatever you can take a book and transform it into something else, that is the what the properties are for. Board games, whatever. It doesn't matter if someone wants to give you money to make something different out of your book properties that were is how they're going to go through it and what's interesting about this is that InkShares is promoting the idea that everything ends up a book um, even if you write a screenplay and it's a movie that movie get it will get a novelization most things these days if you look at whatever is happening in media it seems that everything is coming from a book because a book is amazing it's a whole world like stuffed in a bunch of pages and you usually like one of the biggest complaints when you go to the cinema you go watch a movie you walk out it's like man the book was better there was more in the book because there was always be more in the book so when you get a book you don't just get a story or a few characters you get a whole world you get everything that's like all the subtext everything in there and you can explode that into a very various properties. So they're, they're creating this philosophy and promoting this philosophy amongst the people that just that create other um, other material. That everything has like the hub of the the entertainment wheel, if you will. If all the all the external portions are television and movie, board game, card game, uh, audiobook, international rights, translation, the hub at the middle is the book. And ink shares are the ones holding the books, and they want to make the the, the 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 because of the model of ink shares. Ink shares publishes books that have a shown that have demonstrated that he can get interest from readers. Puts them in a position where they can say, "Hey, look, these are properties that you can you can buy that have a proven record." So, and that's that's the whole properties thing. So it's very exciting. It's very interesting. And in, in a way, like I, it's, it's going to be a bit of an adaptation because we're all very pie in the sky, blue sky thinking type people. Like we like the idea, especially like I'm, I'll give myself as an example. I'm, I'm not super interested in my books becoming movies or, or TV shows for the sake of that. I, I, I understand the game. I don't disagree with them. But I know a lot of people that will spend an enormous amount of time sitting down and just casting their characters. Like, oh, man, this guy should be played by Russell Crowe. And, oh, and this girl would be, should be played by Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, and this girl should be played by, um, Justin Bieber. I don't know. The whole, but I, I don't really play much that game, not because I don't like it. This is not something that's in my mentality. But the idea of being able to sell a property like a book, 
opens up a lot of doors for me as an author. It gives me money that I can use to not work full time and then be able to write full time instead. It gives me the opportunity to maybe work with some screenwriters and learn that trade and learn how that's done. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that you don't necessarily think about that can come of this kind of thing. Or I just love the idea. Like I know a lot of people that will not read my book because it's not an audiobook. So if InkShares manages to sell the audiobook rights for, say, The Life Engineered, I'll be over the moon because that's a way for me to go to a bunch of people that said, I can't read your book. It's not an audiobook. Say, well, now it is. Read it. And to me, that's cool because a lot of these people are people that I would really love their opinion on it. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, not just for the aspect of I want to be the next JK Rowling or whatever, but mostly because it's just, it just explodes into all these different things. Now, where it's a bit of a threat is that because we are these pie in the sky type people, once a company like InkShares that we deal with announces this kind of thing, I can easily see a lot of people, myself including, slipping into that mentality where you start only thinking about that. And from that point on, it's, it's a very, very slippery slope to only writing with that in mind. Like you're, you're no longer just like the, the, the books that you want to put on InkShares are no longer these, uh, these pet projects or these things these, you're thinking. Like one of the things that's cool about InkShares is the idea that you can get a book published that is not an idea that you normally see on bookstores. Like one of the biggest complaints we have about publishers is that, oh, they only publish books that they know will sell and thus only publish books that will fit certain templates and certain pre-established requirements. Now, when is the publisher imposing that? It already sucks a bit. But when's the authors self-imposing that because they're trying to get a television deal out of it, that's going to be even more terrible. But again, this is just a bit of pessimism on my part, which is not necessarily my nature, but it's it's something that I'm, mm, I'm looking at and I say, yeah, I can I can feel that demon inside me just freaking eating at my heart and saying, ah, don't you want to dream about that? Don't you want to next book you do? Shouldn't you do like a young adult book in a post-apocalyptic dystopia where there's a love triangle and a, and and you know romance but no sex because young adult and all that? Don't you want to do that, JF? And I'm like, no, I I don't, I don't, I I mean, ugh, God, so. We'll see how it goes. Like I, I like what I like about InkShares is how it seems to bring out innovation in writers. And because of that, I worried about this. But again, like we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Was that Mr. Murlock is telling me that I'm going close to an hour recording this. Um, I'm sick of hearing me. Mr. Murlock is has clearly had it with me and is walking away. And since he's a plush toy, there's a good sense I'm hallucinating that. So the fever dream has reached its conclusion. I'm afraid this is probably going to be the end for this show. Um, I'm saying that, but it's probably a relief to every one of you. So here's the thing. There's a couple of things I wanted you to check out. Of course, I wanted you guys to check out Too Many Controllers. But I mostly want you guys to check out the contest as a whole. If you have some credits burning your pocket... Um, go spend them there. Absolutely. Just go buy a bunch of books there 
and refer a bunch of people so you can get more credits. Just make that contest explode. The contests I feel have been gathering less numbers as time's been going on and I'm that depresses me. I want to see these numbers grow. I want these contests to be more exciting and more fun. So how about how about it guys? Just just do something about that. Cause I won't. No, I'm lying. I, I totally will. Um, another thing that I want you to do, and it's way more specific to me um, as a selfish jerk, I would like you guys to go on InkShares and search for Arc Android and follow it. If you liked Life Engineered, you're probably going to like uh, Arc Android, which is the sequel to Life Engineered. It also kind of lives as a standalone, but anyways... It's 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 a much bigger, more ambitious book, but it's in the same universe. It's got some of the same characters, and most importantly, robots, robots, robots. Also, finally, and this is for my buddy Paul. Go if you've read Ageless. If you haven't read Ageless, read Ageless. It's a pretty damn good book. Um, but if you have read Ageless, go on Amazon and review it. Do the same thing for Life Engineered. Get us a bunch of reviews. I finally have more than hundred reviews on Life Engineered. I was promised a unicorn from Amazon. I haven't received it yet. That doesn't mean I'm not getting it. But anyways, I'm tr I'm waiting to see what the impact of the uh, reaching 100 reviews is, and I'll report on that as it develops. But I've I've reached the magic number, so I'm I'm waiting for the uh, the, the actual magic to happen. Uh, I'll probably be going back to those uh, the, that that witch doctor and ask what he's thinking and see where he's at with that. So thanks for your patience. Thanks for listening me to me ramble ramble on, and uh, hopefully Paul is not dead. And we'll be back with us next week. Uh, cheers, guys.